this class um, sort of came about for for a couple of uh, in a couple of ways. But for me, um, I can tell you when my um, spiritual growth, when my walk with God kind of went to a new place where it kind of supercharged from, well, that was a pretty good service. Uh, I wonder when they'll do another service and uh, maybe somebody else can say, talk about something that interests me. Um, I'm, I, yawn. I don't want that for anybody. That's not what walking with God is about. Uh, maybe, maybe church services is an on-ramp to you. Hooray if that's an on-ramp to meeting with God. Walking with the living God is not about coming to church services or being on a database of a church organization. I hope you know that. Yes. Yes. Okay, good. Well, I've got some believers in the room. That's great. About 30% of you, and that's fine. We can wake up the other 70% over the next couple of months. It's fine. God has so much more for you than coming into meetings, than doing meetings. He has so much more for you than that. And for me, my walk with him went to a new place when I started getting hold of some kind of basic understanding that I didn't even, I had no concept about before. And I had been going to church just out the yin-yang for decades. And suddenly I started understanding something like repentance. I don't know if anybody's ever given you any in-depth teaching on what repentance is and how to do it. That it's actually something that you can learn how to do and be good at. Because the Bible makes some really incredible promises about people who do this as a skill. What? Really? You might not have known that. I always thought for years and years, repenting is what I did to ask Jesus into my heart. I repented, right? I'm done with that, right? So what's the next thing? Memorize the book of Hosea. No, 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 no. No. Repentance is this, it's this portal into growth that will go the rest of your life and you never stop doing it. Well, nobody ever told me that stuff. And, and these, these kind of basic ideas about how to deal with the enemy, what the nature of salvation is all about, these kind of big picture things that didn't really get talked about in a 20 minute talk in, uh, in a church service on a Sunday morning, these things changed my life. And so that I found myself walking with Jesus as a friend and a co-laborer and learning how to hear his voice in a much more dynamic way than I ever have. And so the things that were passed on to me, I'm simply passing them on. Zero percent of the uh, material that you'll hear over the course of, if this is your first time, over the course of the next year is original to me. I received it from somewhere, and uh, me and my friends have been passing it along for a while. This, this thing, um, in this form, it started with my wife getting five ladies together in our living room and walking them through some stuff that she was learning about demons. And they just started walking through some stuff together, and then I started walking some guys through that, and they started telling their friends, and et cetera, et cetera. And to this day, we now have hundreds of people on waiting lists. And to this day, um, you heard about this from somebody that's been through this class or recommended it to you, because we don't publish this wide because we have a limited class size because we want you to have the experience of having a drill group leader that can walk you through all of this stuff that's done it. 
and that knows how to do it. So we don't just say, okay, everybody just figure out your own groups. We, we want you to have qualified leaders. So I've also been, just the one more note about me before we dive into the material, is that making disciples and taking young men and helping them to grow their own sea legs in Jesus and have a walk with him that matters and learning how to not only hear his voice for themselves, but start infecting other people's lives. That's been my baby for about 20 years. Um, that's, I think I can say that that's right down the middle of what I think my calling is. It's what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. And one way to think about this class is my answer to the question, what are the things that have to be passed on to somebody if they're going to be a disciple? And I can back that up scripturally as I will do. So that gives you an overview, like the content. So there's two things that happen in this, in this class. Two things are covered, as we will talk about. Um, I'm going to riff. This is me riffing for a while, and then I'll go through material, and then you'll go, yeah, you already said that. I'll go, yeah, well, I remember before I was riffing, and I wasn't looking at the material. So that's what I'm doing right now. There's two things that we're going to go over. One is skills, specifically some skills that are listed in the Bible that are necessary for you to grow up and get past elementary school. Repentance is one of those things. If you have not been specifically trained in repentance, then you deserve that by gum as a, as a kingdom person. You, you're supposed to have that skill in your tool belt. There, there's a list of those skills. So we're going to do those skills. And the other thing that we're going to do, I, I think one of the main skills that we want to have as disciples is we need to know how to deal with the enemy. Jesus dealt with the enemy a whole, whole lot. It was a major emphasis of his time. I grew up in a Baptist setting where we are very polite. We're good moral people in Texas. We, uh, we, we will love you with our twang and our potluck meals. Um, but we don't, do, we don't do demon stuff, all right? We don't do that. That's for the Pentecostals or somebody to deal with demons. We don't do that. But that always clashed with the way that I read the Bible and the way that I could see, well, Jesus is doing this stuff all the time. And my wife and I started praying, God, would you lead us to somebody who can wake us up and how to do the things that Jesus did? I, knew, I grew up understanding that promise, John 14, 12. Jesus said, whoever believes in me will do the things that I have been doing. And I always thought, I don't know how to do the things that he did. Who can show me how to do the things that he did? I don't have access to anybody. Well, God started bringing people into our lives who are waking us up. I think this is not only a major, major skill, but I think before we can walk forward in power in that stuff, we have to deal with a lot of our own baggage. And we're going to talk about that at length next week. Um, but that we, we kind of call that whole kind of package of dealing with your past and where the enemy has victimized you. We kind of call that the whole study of strongholds. And how to get delivered from the strongholds that the enemy has pulled over on you and your family and your generations. So those are the two things that we kind of do in this class. We get you some practice at some basic necessary skills. We think they're critical, these skills. And, um, and learning how to deal with the enemy. Starting with getting free from my crapola in my past. And then, and then I want to be... Proactive. I want to be on the offensive. I want to get that sucker. I want to get you sucker. 
Okay. So my big, how you doing so far? Great. You can walk, if, you, if you're not with me on that first five minutes, the glowing exit signs <laughs> in the back of the room are for you. Um, you will not offend me if you go, well, this is not for me. That's fine. No, no problem at all. What I would hate is if somebody feels trapped in this room and feels like, I, now I have to go through this class because I told Sharon I would go through it. No, I'll talk to Sharon. You can leave. It's fine. Okay? So I, I, you know, I asked this question, why do you do all this church stuff? I don't know if you've been around the church you marry to go around as much as I have. Um, I grew up around church world. I did churchy stuff in college, wherever they told me to be a small group leader. High schoolers lead the junior high kids. College kids lead the high schoolers. Uh, then I went and did, um, I did, I, I was a musician, so I did, played music around and about at all the camps and the conferences and all the churches. And then I, and then I went and did foreign mission work. What do you think of that? I did that for a few years. Then I worked on church staff. I never thought I would be here um, at a mega church. <coughs> I mean, I just, I just never thought I would be in this situation because I went around that merry-go-round and I thought, I mean, I did it all. And I kept thinking, where, where's the magic? Where's the, at what point do the clouds part and we get to know the living God? That's what, I, that's what I wanted, and that's what they would promise me in so many words. And so I asked this question, why are we doing all this? Why did you think it would be a good idea to come to this class? So you can be a better person and sin less and get all those Christians off my back and blah, blah, blah. Hopefully not. I don't have any time for that stuff. We're not here to impress people. Uh, there's no, uh, we don't give you a badge at the end of this. You can wear around. Well, I did the critical skills class. What do you think of that, everybody? <laughs> that might get you some cachet around Crossroads, I'm sad to say, but it's true. Might get you a little respect around here. I, I can tell you, I, I, got, I got one thing I want out of my life. I want to know him. I want to know Jesus. I want to walk with him. I want to hear his voice. I want to do the things that he did in his life. I, I want to know, as Paul said in Philippians, I want to know the dying part of walking with him and I want to know the living part. I want him. He's what I'm after. And he's what I want for you. Okay? Right. Now you can't leave. We're locking the doors. Okay. This is your first big blank. We like, we like blanks and worksheets around here. <clears throat> The goal, the goal, in so many words, you don't have to, if you don't have to use this word, but this is the word that we're going to use over and over in here, is maturity. Maturity. So a synonym for maturity, if you're in the Lord, is Christ-likeness. A synonym for maturity, if you're walking with Jesus, would be intimacy. It could be power. Um, I just want to grow up. I want to grow up and do all the things that he intends out of my life. And I want that for you too. I'm assuming that you want that when you walk into the room. All right, I've already gotten ahead of myself because I'm ready to get into stuff. Let me just tell you about the class real quick and then I get back to this. The way the class works is this. Um, we have some ground rules. One of the rules is that you are going to memorize scriptures. 
around these topics. If you want to get skilled and if you want to plant a flag in your life, say around repentance, I, you know what? I see in the scriptures that I have to learn repentance. That has not been like a fluency in my life. I'm planting a stake in the ground and I'm going to memorize 2 Corinthians 7.10 so that I can start breathing and living, breathing repentance. You don't have to write that verse down. That's just an example. And, and I want you to have this stuff and I want you to own it. So I'll give away the ending. If you look at the ending on page three, there's a blank and it says, I will memorize blank this week. So you're going to memorize something around every one of these topics that we do. And I'm, lit, and I'm giving you that player's choice. You get to choose what it is. I'm going to give you a strong recommendation tonight. But, it, but if, you, if something else grabs you and you feel the Lord in a verse that we go over tonight, you go, I've got to have that verse. He didn't say 1 John 2, 3, but I want 1 John 2, 3. I'm grabbing it. Then you memorize that. David said, I'm hiding your words in my heart, God, so that I won't sin against you. And, and sin is part of immaturity. You know, there's, I'm not going to teach on this, but there's a few words for wrongdoing in the scripture. One is sin, one is iniquity, and one is transgression. And sin is just the foolishness of immaturity. It's just the dumb things that we do. And David's saying, if I will hide your word in my heart, it will create rails for me to run on, and I won't do the stupid, foolish things of my youth. I want you to have these things. So we're demanding that you memorize scripture. When you get together with your group, the first thing you'll do is you'll quote scripture to one another. And that's not because you're going to memorize a Bible verse to be a good person. No, it's because I want you to be mature and I want you to take land that's been promised to you. And so this is the best method I found in 20 years of discipling people is telling them you're going to memorize this verse. You're going to own it. So that when you're tempted like Jesus was in the desert, you can recall God's word the same way that Jesus did for whatever the deal is in your life. Are you with me? Yes. You agree to that? Yes. All right. I like that lady agrees. Okay. That's good. What's your name? Clapper. Amy. Amy. All right. Amy. All right. The second thing is I just want to describe the drill groups to you. So you're going to. You're going to be exposed to a topic. You're going to do repentance this semester. So you're going to be exposed to repentance. You're going to listen to a lecture on repentance. We keep trying to figure out how to make this thing more and more and more portable because we want to go to all sites and we'd like to go around the world with this stuff. So what, we, what we're doing for the first time this semester, hope it goes great, is, you're going to, is all of these topics are on video. So it's going to be me and or other people teaching these topics on video. You will be assigned sometime in the next couple of weeks. You're going to be assigned a small group. That's Tina. That's sweet Tina back there putting you in groups. Now, you're going to be in a group with a drill group leader who has done this stuff before and who understands this skills that we're going after. You're going to get together with your group and you can do one of two things. You can get together here or you can get together in Mason and watch on our fabulous video screens. We're going to have a facilitator that just welcomes. Hey, hey, how are you doing? I want you to do member verses to each other. Here, we're going to press play and we're going to watch together. And then you might have a discussion time with a couple of little to-do items right after the lecture. 
You're either going to come into our building and watch these lectures, or you and your team are going to decide an alternate time to get together to watch those videos. Your leader will have access to the video, you will not. So you will have to get together with your group to watch the video, either here or at Mason, which I think is Tuesday nights. Okay, you'll, you'll find out about that later. You're, you're gonna be exposed to the material either here or with your group somewhere else. Then you'll have a week off where you're not watching videos. You're going to practice this stuff. And let me say this also about this class. My encouragement and even my begging is that this stuff in this class would be the content for your quiet times until this class is over. I don't want you going through this class and trying to juggle, well, I'm studying Jeremiah too, and I've got this other group over here, and then we're trying to do this other thing. I want this to be your baby while you're in this class. So that's my ask, is that you would process, you're going to, like even tonight, you're going to go, wow, I, I might need a little time to consider the stages of maturity that are described here. I'm not sure where I stand on that. Great. I want that to be quiet time material for you. And tomorrow... I'd love, I love the idea that you get out this sheet with your Bible and you start walking through this stuff and processing and internalizing what's going on. So in that off week, you're going to meet with your small group and you're going to drill. Whatever the skill is, you're going to drill it with your group. You're going to practice it. As you'll hear me talking about tonight. It's incredibly dangerous for you to be exposed to spiritual Bible material and not do anything with it. It's extremely dangerous. So I'm not interested in giving you some interesting teachings that you can listen to in your car and feel like you got a touch. I feel like I got a touch today. I don't want that for you. I want you to leave this class with skills under your belt that are operational because you're practicing them. So when you get together with your group, when it's repentance week, guess what you're going to do with your group? Repent. Repent. That's the game plan, is that you will practice skills. We're going to talk about faith this semester. Faith is, faith is a kind of mystical thing, but the Bible is very clear about how to grow your faith. You can do some very specific things to grow your faith. Guess what you're going to do when you get together with your drill group? You're going to grow your faith. You're going to do those things. And if you've got questions about how to do it, you can ask your drill group leader. So you're going to have some time to practice, practice, internalize, hopefully two weeks of quiet times around a subject. Then you're going to come back and we're going to go into the next one. I admit that two weeks is not long enough to get skilled at any of the things that we cover. And if fear has been a deal in your generations, 10 generations back, Guess what? You're probably not going to get to the center of the onion in two weeks. You have all the grace in the world to take all the time to do that, but this is the rhythm that we've got for this class. I want you to know that thing about drilling. Let's go right to the end. Why not? Right above that memory verse, number three, since that's clearly the first thing we should be going over is number three. I want you to know that you will be repenting in your drill groups, and it'll look like this. Confession, forgiveness, in any presence removed, Holy Spirit asked to come in blessing. 
Why am I telling you that? You don't need to memorize that. You don't, you don't even need to know what any of that means right now. I want you to know that because I have to put every pressure possible on our group leaders who are meeting right now because their job is to keep you from chatting about everything happening in your life this week and to keep you doing this stuff. If you're not repenting in your drill groups every week, something is broken and we want you to tell us, tell on them. Would you do that? If you're not repenting every week in your drill group, something is horribly wrong. Because repenting, as you'll see when we talk about repenting, it's the way of letting go of our old trash and grabbing onto something new in the Lord. It's a really natural process. You have done it many, many times without calling it that. That has to happen in our drill groups. That's why I'm giving this to you. I'm giving you the answer key so that at the end of your first meeting, you can go, well, this is weird. Here, it says that we'll be repenting every time, but we didn't do any repenting tonight. What's happening with my group? And they should start sweating because they're going, I'm not doing my job. And then I'll fire them and I'll find somebody good to lead your group so that you can actually grow. Okay. Woo! Isn't this going to be great? Okay. The goal is maturity. Now, let's look at this first. Let's look at our sheets. 1 Corinthians 3, 1 through 3 says, say it with me, brothers, I could not address you as spiritual, but as, anybody know? Worldly. So fill that blank in with worldly. And then it says this, mere infants in Christ. I'll just pause right there for a second and say I grew up in a religious environment where people who were worldly, I mean, they valued the same things that the world values, and they obviously reacted to you according to what you looked like on the outside, and they were after money and status and sleeping around and stupid stuff. We just about hated those people. We just wanted to kill them, and we wanted them to feel as unwelcome as possible. And we want them to get the hell out of our church because we're, this is a holy place, you son of a... Whatever. <clears throat> the Bible doesn't say that those people are wicked or rebellious. It says that they are immature. It says mere infants in Christ. If you ever spend a lot of time around a baby, you'll notice this thing craps all over everything. <laughs> That doesn't mean something's wrong. That just means that it's immature. So crap in the bed spiritually is okay for a season. And if you've ever felt that frustration of like, well, I got born again last year, but I'm still cussing all the time and I'm such a loser. I got drunk last weekend. Oh, I'm such a... And all the church people are happy to, yes, you are a loser. That's right, you're a loser. I would say to you, you're just immature. You're merely an infant in Christ. It says right here, I couldn't address you spiritual, but as worldly. You've got some worldly stuff in you because you act like a baby. Now, we could talk about that at length. You don't know how to feed yourself. You couldn't, I couldn't lock you in a room with a Bible and go meet with the Lord right now because you don't know how to do that. So you just went, oh, I wonder where the next church service is. I 
really have a desire for God in my heart right now, but I, I just hope they have a Bible study soon so I can meet with them. Because you don't know how to feed yourself. You know what? There's nothing wrong with that. It's, just, it, it's not okay. I mean, it's okay to be that way. It's just not okay to stay that way. You with me? Anybody ever felt any of these frustrations? I guess I'm alone. Yeah. And, and, and you feel condemnation because you're not all the way to 10 yet. And you feel like ever you listen to somebody that feels like, sounds like they're in graduate school. And you're like, well, shoot. I guess I'm just a loser. I'm going to try harder. Don't try harder. Don't let them tell you that. Stop trying harder. You just need to grow up in the Lord. You need to receive more of him. Now. Let's go on with the verse. I gave you milk, not solid food. Wait, Paul gave somebody milk purposefully at one point? I thought he was the steak guy. He said, no, I gave you milk at one point because you were not yet ready for the solid food. Indeed, you are still not ready. Now, he's saying this as a criticism, but there's, there's things to learn in what he's saying. You are still worldly. He repeats it again. You are still worldly. There is still worldliness to some degree, my guess is, in all of us in here. God is in the process of washing that all out of you. He is in the process, I don't think this verse is in there somewhere, is in this sheet, but one of the most helpful verses for me in understanding my walk with God is Romans 8, 29, I think, um, which says, it is your destiny to be conformed into the image of Jesus Christ. It's your destiny. If God does anything with you, I guarantee you, he is squeezing you, conforming. That's pressure. That's not always easy. He is conforming you like this Play-Doh molds. He's conforming you into the image of his son. Did somebody look that up? Is it 29? Okay, it's 820, Romans 8.29. It's your destiny to be conformed into the image of his son. You are headed that way. Un undeniably. He is the author and the finisher of your faith. He, he's the one that started this whole shenanigans with you. you didn't, you're not so smart and spiritual that you decided, I'm going to follow Jesus. He's the way, the truth, and the life. No, he came to you. Psalm 14 says nobody seeks God. Jesus said, the only reason that you seek me is because the Father sought you out first. He came to you. He started this, and he's going to finish this. It's your destiny. But I also want you to understand that worldliness is part of immaturity, and part of growing into maturity, into the image of Christ, means that those things will be washing out of the system. You with me? I think one of our problems lately in an effort to not offend people one of our problems for, for leadery types is that we've not told people that maturity is a real thing. There is such a thing as immature people and mature people. And there is. There is such a thing. The Bible actually talks about these stages of maturity, which I'd like to go over here. Milk is necessary at first, but we want solid food. We want to be mature. Okay. I don't know if you've seen this little chart up here on the screen. We use this around Crossroads to kind of describe spiritual growth, and we kind of divide uh, spiritual growth into four stages. One is a seeker. That's somebody who there's something in your heart that wants God. You don't even know what you want, but you're looking for him. 
we think that person is already on the track because again, the scripture says you wouldn't even have that inkling in your heart if God hadn't started something in you. The reason that you're sniffing around for God is because he's at work. So we kind of put that person outside of the kind of circle because we think of the circle as the kingdom. And so a seeker is somebody who sniffs their way into the kingdom and Jesus-y material. Once you get a hold of Jesus and your brain clamps around the idea, this cat can save me. When you give him a shot, you know what? If you'll save me, I'll take it. And you're like the thief on the cross who said that. Hey, you know what? I think you could save me. What do you say? And Jesus goes, you got it. I'll save you. When that happens to you, you become a receiver. That's somebody who has opened their heart to Jesus and said, I'll receive you. That is a completely selfish move. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's how I got in the door too. I said, I want, I need. And he goes, perfect. I provide, I save. I gotcha. Great. We start down this road together. And what starts happening is that you start getting, this is what's supposed to happen. Not some angry blowhard at the front of a stage telling you you're not good enough. But you start getting more of him and you go, this God, I, I got cheated out of life with him somewhere along the way. He's so good. He's so generous, gracious, and merciful that I will trade everything in for him. What was I thinking pursuing a career? That's so stupid. I want to pursue him. He can give me the career that he wants. Why was I spending so much time looking for a wife? I want him. He's the one that can provide me the best wife. You know what? Everything, every good thing I've ever wanted, I find in him. And you start kind of doing this transformation that's talked about in Matthew 6.33. Don't seek anything. Seek the kingdom of God. And all the things that you need will be added to you as well. You start going, I, I want him. When you start getting that sort of selfless, I don't want him for me anymore. He's met all my needs. I want him for him now. I want to follow him. Where are you going, Jesus? And he goes, I'm going to Zimbabwe. And you go, I got to get my passport ready because I'm going to Zimbabwe with you. And some of you have felt this before where he goes, I'm going to India in April. You going with me? Oh, that's going to cost money and uh, I don't know. Yes, I got to go. I got to go. I think he's, I think he's there waiting for me. I got to go. And you st he starts claiming things in your life that you didn't know you made a deal with them that he could take. But you, he starts messing up your life and you go like, well, I got to have him. I, I got to have him. What's happened to you is that you've transformed from being a receiver to being a follower. And a follower is a, is a synonym for the Bible word disciple. You're somebody that you're like, I'm going to have him. I'm going to get him. And none of you cats are going to stand in my way because I'm going to get him. And this whole big old machine we got going here, this multi-million dollar organization is not going to stand in my way. I'm going to get him. And I don't care where I have to go to get him. I don't care if I'm going to marry who he tells me to marry. I'm going to have as many kids as he tells me to have. I'm going to have the career. He I'm going to give away everything he tells me to give away. I'll take every responsibility he tells me to take on, but I'm going to get him. Now, that's how a disciple talks. If you are a disciple and you start pursuing him this way, I promise you that you will look back in your wake in a couple of years and you'll find a couple of little other disciples that are just in your wake going, we just want to follow him the way that you do. 
you'll just find that there's little ones behind you that are following in your wake. You know what you've become? You've become a producer. And you start parenting people and helping them toward him too. It just happens. It just happens. You don't even have to want to be a spiritual parent. If you'll just pursue him, you'll just become a spiritual parent. It'll happen. Okay, that's our little, that's my little overview, which is nowhere on your sheet. You go, where are you on the sheet? I'm getting to the sheet, okay? Now, the Bible, when I was studying this stuff, those four stages, I came across these, uh, I'm not great on my little Bible languages stuff, but um, I came across these Greek words which are described in detail in the scriptures. They actually line up quite well with, with what we do around here. Uh, there's, a, there's a Greek word, napios, and that refers to nativity, same root there, or infancy. When you're a baby, baby believer, these scriptures that are written here to the right, they describe a baby, baby believer. So you're totally selfish. You're crap in the bed all the time. All you know how to do is take and whine. That's, that's it. And like if, if Jesus will come meet you where you are and meet your needs, you're, you're into it. And the second that he demands something of you, you're like, I don't want that. Me, 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 me. Okay, that's fine. That's just immaturity, and that's part of this Napio stage. Then there is a Pideon stage, which is a child stage. So it's this receiving stage, and you're starting to learn a couple of basic skills. You're starting to learn how to recognize his voice. You're starting to learn maybe how to feed yourself. Maybe you crap the bed in a little more controlled way. I don't know what you do. <laughs> then you get into technon. You're adolescent. You have, you have some ability to do some things. Maybe you know your way around the Bible a little bit. Maybe you can help somebody. You can serve here and there. Um, but you know what a teenager is. You still, you're kind of flaky. You can't be depended on that much. Faithfulness hasn't really been produced in you. There's still some really selfish times when you get squeezed. When you really get squeezed, you revert to being self-centered. You know, that's, okay, that's, that's teenager life for you. That's technology. Then there's this wonderful stage called huias. And huias is mature. Mature. And whenever G, all of these words, by the way, nepios, paideon, technon, huias, they are all translated son in scripture. And we miss the nuance because they're all translated son. But I'll just tell you this about Jesus. Everywhere that we, everywhere that Jesus is called a son, he's called a huios. He's a mature son. Now a mature son in, in Jewish world would be someone who can run the family business. He could be trusted with all the family assets. The father would give the son his signet ring and say, you can sign off any amount of money, whatever you got to do. You can pay the mortgage for us. When you stand at the city gates, you represent our family. You can make deals for us. I trust your character. I know who you are. You have the family interests in mind. That's us. really want the Lord to be able to look at me and say, this guy has the family interests at heart. I could trust him. I could give him the, I could give him the riches that are one of my little babies. 
I could give one of my babies to him and I know he's going to take care of it because I know he's going to have my interests at heart. I could give him, I could pass money through him because I know that he's not looking to suck it all in on himself and bathe himself in luxury. I could trust him with money because he has kingdom interests when it comes to money, etc. You get the idea? I say, um, you get the idea? Okay, this is where we want to go. This is where we want to go. And then eventually, oh, I didn't put it up there. But we want to get to pater, which is fatherhood. That's, that's our destiny. Not a blank, but there it is, pater, fatherhood. So we would call that being a producer around here. I'll just tell you guys for myself. I think I, I, think I spent a radical amount of time as a paideon in my life, like an embarrassing amount of time. Sort of embarrassing. It is embarrassing for me. Um, I think it's more of a shame of the system that I have entrusted myself to that didn't grow me up. They only knew how to make me dependent on them. And um, I think that the Lord would say about me now that I'm in the technon. I'm growing, trying to grow up, want to be trusted, I want to be mature. But I know that when push comes to shove, I'll consider myself first. I know I'm not always obedient. I have an idea of what dad wants. I don't always do it. And I'm growing up. I'm going to grow up by Gar. And I want you to have that same conviction. I, it is my destiny to be conformed into the image of Jesus Christ. I'm going to get here to Huyas. And it's going, by the way, if, if I'm letting the cat out of the bag here, it's going to be painful. I promise there's pain between Nephios and Huyas. That's part of his game plan. Is he, suffering is part of the deal. And what he wants to do is he wants, and we'll talk about this in this class, because actually knowing how to suffer is a skill. We cover it in detail with resurrection from the dead. And eternal judgment. What he wants to do is he wants to make you such that like his son, you can make it through suffering, through the valley of the shadow of death without blaming him, without going into despair and, and thinking he's left me, all is lost. He has not left you. Matter of fact, he's conforming you into the image of his son. Some of you are there like right now in your lives. You're there right now. And I want you to know something. He has not left you. And he will never, ever leave you. But we want to grow to the place where we can make it, we can endure. Endurance, read James 1. It's part of the, part of the uh, stew that we have to have those tools in our tool belt. All right. Let's go. Okay. <clears throat> What's the process for growing up? Easy. Um, again, where I grew up, the, the, the process that was kind of sold to me implicitly was knowledge. Knowledge is the way to grow up. Get you some more learning, come to more of our classes, come to more services, read these really good books. Knowledge will get you there. 
It, it's not so. Matter of fact, you could have very little knowledge, but if you can do a couple of things in the Lord, you'll find that you mature very quickly. I've met these people, by the way. I was in, um, oh, just as an example, I was in uh, Kenya a couple of years ago. And these people thought I wrote the Bible. I mean, I, I could quote Bible verses and they were just furiously telling, reminding, telling each other, we're taking notes. I could tell them the most basic Bible stuff. They didn't have access to Bibles. And they thought of me as the most amazing Bible scholar ever. And so I had way more knowledge than these people. And I could talk to them at length about all sorts of Bible things, quote Bible verses, and they're so impressed. They're so impressed. <laughs> but these people could do the stuff. They were so much more mature than me. Every day of their lives, their dependence was on the Spirit of God from the time they woke up. They woke up with no food, and they'd go to bed with no food. And in the interim, they would trust that the Lord will meet our needs. And they, they lived that way. It doesn't matter what the problem was. I mean, it would be, it would be the most kind of prosaic thing. My, my luggage got lost. They think it's going to be here on Thursday. We'll have to drive back to the airport. We'll pray. Let's pray about this. I'm going like, guys, it's just a practical deal. They would get the luggage there. and then No, no, no. We pray about this. Everything was just, we're just asking, Lord, guess what? They see miracles all the time. What? Wow. They see miracles all the time. When somebody gets sick, their first thought isn't, now who's the family doctor we know? What drugs can we shove inside your body as soon as possible? Their first thought when somebody gets sick is, we go to the Lord. I'm, I'm just illustrating my point. These people had it all over, over me in intimacy with God. They had it all over me with maturity. They, prophesying is like nothing to them. It's like living. It's like, it's like reading the newspaper. It's so normal to them to hear God's voice and live in his spirit. They have maturity that I dream of, and they didn't have knowledge. You with me? Because yeah. they were doing it. They were living in him. Knowledge is not important. It's really not. As a matter of fact, if it's not coupled with action, it's very dangerous, as we'll see. So the process is skills. That's the big blank. Skills. This is the hidden ticket. I never knew. I did not know this. I went about 15 years of being born again, not knowing why am I bumping my butt all the time. And I, a light bulb came on. Oh, I don't know how to do anything. Oh. Skills. This is the ticket to maturity. So, let's go through this. Having knowledge is what? Not the same. Not the same as having skills. There was a time when I, I think I asked for scuba lessons for my wife for Christmas. She delivered, she got me lessons, got me a book, read through the book. I went to the first lesson, I literally drove my car up to the place in the first lesson, some place in blue ash. I drove up to the door and went, yeah, I'm not doing this. And I drove away <laughs> and uh, I never took any of the lessons. I read the book, 
I could probably pass a pop quiz on scuba. I should not be underwater with one of those regulators. I should not be doing that. There's a big difference between knowledge and skill. Reading the sports page is not playing basketball. <laughs> there are very different things. Most of us have been raised in a spiritual environment where because we have knowledge, we think that we have skill. And some of you in your own hearts right now go, well, snap, that's exactly right. That's me. That was the world that I grew up in. Tons of knowledge. I couldn't lay hands on anybody and affect anything. I didn't know how to do any of that. Lay your hands and pray for this person. I, I, who am I? I'm just a guy that reads the Bible. I don't know how to do anything. I just come to church. I'll see you Wednesday night. Ah! <laughs> we need to develop skills to become mature, not more information. Most of us could never listen to one more sermon or teaching for the rest of our lives, and if we would put into practice what we've already heard, we'd be golden. We don't need more information. When knowledge accompanies action, we get skills. When there's action. When knowledge stands alone, we only get, anybody know? When there's just knowledge, what does the Bible say, you know? Yeah, I'm getting there. That's right, too. Pride. Pride. It's the scourge of our generation. I mean, it, 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 is, it is the curse on our culture. Everything else stems from pride. For us. I can speak about Americans. 1 Corinthians 8.1 says knowledge, anybody? Puffs up. That means it blows itself up. Presenting itself as bigger than it is. I got more. I, I, I have more. There's, there's plenty of muscles here. Do you see what I'm doing? Lots of muscles. Not really. There's not, there's not really anything there. We're just puffing my chest out. It's all a facade. This is us as a nation. This is us as a people. This is us as a, as a body. Knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. And you know, when you build, anybody that's seen a building go up, you dig first, you lay a foundation. For a very, very long time, when we, I've seen a couple properties go up now because of my involvement at Crossroads. I remember when this big old auditorium went up, right, Nick, right across the way. For a very, very, very long time, there was nothing to look at. And before it became impressive, for a very long time, it had to look humble. For a very long time, because there's a lot of work to do in the beginning. For us, spiritually, we don't like the idea of going down and being seen as a loser for a year and a half. How's your, how, what's happened in your spiritual life? I don't know, I'm just a learner. I, I'm starting at zero. He's actually undoing everything I thought I knew. I don't, what can I do? I don't know. 
We like the idea of moving from being very good at worldly stuff. I'm also very good at now spiritual things too. We don't like the idea of going down, down, and in building a foundation. Love builds up. It starts at the bottom. That's what he wants to do in you. That's why when we look at this list of um, skills, you go, crap, crap, I don't have any of these skills. That's how I felt the first time I saw them. James 1.22, here's the big warning, and, and I'll tell you, this is my verse I'm recommending that you memorize. You don't have to. If you got a better verse that came out of this, you take it. But this is the verse I'm recommending that you memorize. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. You might have heard that verse before. I don't know if you've ever stopped to consider it. It says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. We've all done it. You went to some teaching. I'll just say you went to a church service. There was something that you learned in there that tickled your brain. Oh, I hadn't thought of it that way before. Now that is interesting. That is a good point. He makes a good point. And you learn something, you hear the word. You might even hear somebody's testimony. They, they saw God at one point. And if you're like me, it's just a pretty good story. I kind of, my eyes, tear, had a tear in my eye on that one. Whew. That felt good. That was good. And you walk out of that room and you feel something has transpired spiritually. That was pretty good. That was a pretty good service and a pretty interesting teaching. Whew, I feel like I, uh, I grew there. That was good. I'll, uh, I think I'll be back next week. Do you hear the Jaws score in the background? It says, do not merely listen to the word. What happens to you if you just listen to God's word? You go into deception. That's what it says. James 1.22. What's the deception? Well, I, let's back up one verse to Roman, to 1 Corinthians 8.1. It's pride. The deception is, I think I know this stuff. I could now take a quiz on it. Demons. Oh, Jesus Demons, well, that's interesting. I like that idea. I think I know this now. You become puffed up. There's pride. You're deceived. You're in a worse state than before you heard the word. Because now you think you know something that you don't know. And that will get you into some trouble when they put the ventilator on you, what's called regulator, and then they kick you off the side of the boat. He read the book. He'll be fine. No, you won't be fine. I'm very concerned about an environment, a culture, a spiritual culture. It's throughout this city, and I, I'm sure I've contributed to it, and I want to repent of it. Where we give people information and pat them on the heads and say, That was a good, you did some good taking of information. So good. We, and there's deception there. 
Do you see what the scripture says? Do you? Yes. Are you scared by what you just heard? You should be, because according to this verse, you and I have been deceived on many occasions. Because we take in God's word, we don't do anything with it. Don't lie to me and say you do something every single time you hear, God, you hear God's word. You don't. Crossroads will give you something to do. Now, this week, go out and meet four people. Oh, sure, I'll meet four people. Sure, sure. But we don't do anything with God's word when it comes in, and, and it leads to deception. Anyone who listens to the word, I'm reading again, but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself, he goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. You hang around church circles very long, you're going to get challenged all the time. You'll just get challenged nonstop. God not, might not be talking to you about that thing, but you're going to get a big old challenge to deal with your money this time. And now you're going to get a challenge to deal with your relationships. And now you need to revamp this whole part of your life. And God's trying to talk to you about something else. But we're not clued into hearing his voice. So it's, well, I'll just try to do what this sucker says at the front of the room. Okay, I'll try to do that. I'll try to do that. I want us to get to a place where we'd say, I'm not going to hear any new information because I haven't been obedient to this one thing he's told me to do yet. He told me to write a letter to my dad. I'm going to write the letter to my dad. Until I do that thing, I can't take any, any more information because I haven't been obedient with what he's told me to do. Am I, does anybody understand what I'm talking about? You've ever had that feeling that God was telling you, I want this thing? Okay. Matthew 7 reiterates the same principle. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, sounds like there's some skill. You only practice something if it's a skill. He says if you put them into practice, it's like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. Now we're talking about life storms and suffering. Again, Jesus just brought that in, just brought that into this word about obeying him. Now he's talking about, you know what will be a good test for you, whether you have skills or not? Trouble. He said, when trouble comes along, we're going to see whether you've been practicing or not. Because if you practice, remember, love builds up. Love builds a foundation. You're going to be hewn into a rock. And life's troubles are going to come your way. Job 5.7, I think, says, man is, as surely as sparks fly upward, man was born into trouble. Trouble's coming your way. And when it comes, will you be girded into a rock because you've been obeying and practicing? Or will you be one of these people? I went to the church services, but I, God has left me. I don't know who God is. The world is an awful place. Life isn't worth living. I just want to put my arm around you and go, you're just immature. You're just immature. Life is worth living. God's good. He'll see you through this. 
Come on, let's start drilling. Let's start obeying. But everyone who hears these words of mine, that's you and me, and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. It wasn't subtle, and it wasn't sweet the way that it happened. It was ugly, and it was calamitous. There was a crash when he, when he fell. I throw this in. What was the tree that Adam and Eve were tempted by? Knowledge of good and evil. And remember what Satan said to Eve? This will give you all sort of knowledge that you hadn't had before. And she's like, ooh, knowledge, cool. I'll be so wise. No, knowledge doesn't make anybody wise. Wisdom is about action. You've done it and you know how to do it and you know how not to do it. That's a wise person. Not knowledge. Knowledge doesn't make you wise. Knowledge will help you pass a pop quiz. Here's what Michael O'Shields, who's a mentor of mine, said. Topping the list of self-deceptions is a belief that if we know it, we're walking in it. Knowing and doing are two different things. I want you guys to be doers of the word and not hearers only. Get it? That's what maturity is, is doing it. Okay, I went on for about an hour on that topic. I hope you heard me. Um, I hope you get the fact that we're trying to do whatever we can so that you will practice and obey and do these things. And if you try to evade the questions that happen in your drill group, you don't want to answer that question. I don't really feel like going there right now. Well, the, everybody around me has been very vulnerable, but I don't think I really want to be vulnerable right now. You may be asked to leave your group because there's not a person in here that I'm willing to hold up the growth of other people because you don't want to obey and you don't want to get real and you don't want to get bold and get ugly and get gritty and go for it. This class is for people that want to get it and go for it, okay? I love you. I love you. That felt like a threat all of a sudden. It's not a threat. It's, it's a, I'm trying to promise you. I'm trying to make you a promise that your, your group is going to be a safe place for you to grow. That's what I'm trying to, to tell you. I should have said the other person. If there's a person in your group and they refuse to get honest, I'm going to get rid of them so you can grow. Okay? That's what I should have said. It's marketing. Come on. Okay. Here's another way of saying it. Oh, yeah, here's the verse I was talking about. I'm going to zip through this. What's the goal? Hey, I wonder what these have been like. Because I haven't been using them. There we go. What's the goal? Christ-likeness. That's another way of saying maturity. Here's Romans 8.29. Those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. Hallelujah. Oh, boy, I'm really killing my, I'm taking all my material here. Hebrews 12, 2, let us fix our eyes upon Jesus. He is the author and the finisher or perfecter of our faith. He started you. It's his responsibility to finish you. 
This might be out of order, but we're going to do what's on the slide here. And let me just do this one line underneath that. Heaven, here's a big bubble I would love to pop. Heaven is not our goal. I'm not in this, so I can hopefully get to heaven when I die. Nor is being born again the end of salvation. Church world sort of told me, it's sort of like repentance. Hey, you're born again. Woo-hoo! Woo! I think we've done our work here. We'll see you next Sunday. Good luck, young man. Being born again is not the end of salvation. Um, that would be like telling a, a newborn child, I think you've got all you need. I think you're set. You've been born now. Uh, that would be cruel and unusual. That person's growth, while being born, wasn't the beginning of their growth. It just got into a new plane where there are incredible needs and incredible growth that should be expected from that point forward. This is why I camp out on the idea of maturity for a while, is because a lot of us have thought that being born again was sort of, that was the big moment, and now start acting right. See if you can act better from here on out. See you Sunday morning. Salvation is a process, which we will talk about more in the future at length. Salvation is not an event. Salvation is a process. I want you to understand that. It is a process that is punctuated by several important events. We'll talk about this with, when we talk about baptisms. But being born again is not the end-all, be-all of salvation. And heaven is not our goal. Um, heaven is going to be a really killer moment in the story. But I'm not doing all this holding my breath. Hopefully I can get to heaven when I die. I have a different expectation altogether. Um, my expectation is that, one, knowing Jesus will mean that he came not just to give me life, but he came to give me life to the full starting right now. To the full, to the max, the maximum amount of life that a human can handle is what I expect to get. That's what's promised to me. And if you watch Mountain Dew commercials and you think those guys are having the real life, you got, you got a bad deal. I want you to have a better life so that you can look at the Mountain Dew guys and say, yeah, I might try that too, but you know what? Those guys need Jesus. That's where the real ride is. You know, I want you to have that sort of fullness of your life. I also have the expectation that I will see the goodness of God here in the land of the living. I don't have to go into death to experience the goodness of God. I want to see him right now. I want to see his power now. I want to see him raise people from the dead on this side. I want to see people healed by his word and his name now. I want to experience fullness in my relationships now. I want the character of Christ now, I don't mean God has to show up and do it now. Because I know, I know how maturity works. 
It ain't going to happen in the next week. But I have expectations on this side of the Jordan. I'm going to get these things that were promised to me. That's why I say heaven is not our goal. I would like to remove that from your mind and go, you're going to get that. He loves you. All right. It's one of the goodies that he's going to give you. All right. Put that out of your mind. Let's start living. Start living in him now. What's the process? We already talked about this. The process is obedience. That's how you get conformed into the image of Christ. You just obey. There's no program. Go to this school and go to these conferences and then come to this class and go to that class and pick up a little read. Be sure to read these books. You've got to read this book. There's a process for getting, for growing up in Jesus. Obey him. If you'll do what he tells you to do, and I'm not kidding when I say, if you walk out of here and in the parking lot, you hear him go, pick up that trash. If you'll pick up the trash that he tells you to pick up, you're well on your way to becoming mature. You don't have to know the map. You don't, you don't know the map. You don't know how to get there from here. Just do what he says. Here's a great memory verse for you. All the cheaters that want a really simple memory verse, you can write this one down. I'm, I'm, I'm giving this. I don't usually give this one to people. I'm giving it to you guys a little extra. Just like a little, just slipping it your way. Ready for this one? I, actually, I'm not sure of the reference. It's either John 2, 5 or John 5, 2. <laughs> it's the greatest line that we've got out of Mary's mouth, if you ask me. It's a real simple. You ready for it? It's a five-word memory verse. Do whatever he tells you. Do whatever he tells you. Five, two? Two, five. Two, five. It's, all right. It's a winner. Okay, here we go. Obedience. Did God originally give Adam concepts to master or a job to do? A job to do. We don't see a lot of uh, lecturing happening with Adam. Just do this and do this and do this. He'll pick up my character along the way. Just walk with me. Just come walk with me. Are we going to learn about how you made the world? God, just walk with me. Would you shut up, Adam? Let's just walk. He told him some things to do. Hebrews 12, 2. I just said this. I keep giving, giving away. Strategizing your path to Christ-likeness is God's job, not ours. Our job is to listen and obey. I promise you if you do that, you will learn his ways as you go. You'll just be convinced of some things. God has told me to do things. I didn't know what the lesson was. I didn't know why. He's told me to pull off the highway before as I'm driving down the road. And I just felt his spirit go, you'll be disobeying me if you don't exit right here. Okay, I'm exiting. And I'll tell you, I'll finish the story for you because it's a helpful lesson. Okay, well, I guess I'm on your map now because I don't know what to do at this point. Great, take a right. Okay. I'm just, I'm just, and I don't hear, I don't hear his voice. I'm doing what I think I'm, I think he's saying to me, which is a great way to learn his voice, by the way, to do what you think he's telling you to do. He tends to make himself clear to people who are willing to do that. 
Oh, turn left, we're ready. Going home. Now I'm in a subdivision. There are houses here. And I, I felt God say, All right, that was it. You can get back on the highway now. What was this for, God? Why did we do this exercise? Help me understand, you know? And he's just like, I just wanted you to learn how to obey. Just learning how to obey. We, I do this thing with my little girls, and we call it the training game. And they love it, because they get awarded M&Ms at the end of the training game. They're always wanting to play the training game. And the training game is simply them doing everything I tell them to do. Now, we just practice obedience. You just do what I say. Guess what you're going to do? For the next two minutes, you're going to sit there and not make a sound. And I just smile at them. And they go, two minutes is enough. Just stay right there. What is the point of this exercise? Learning to obey. Training. He wants to train you in how to obey. You don't know how to do that if you haven't practiced. Just because you read a little sermonette on obedience, you don't know how to obey him unless you've been practicing how to do it. Okay, I'm going to make the point with the little timelines. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works. You could circle to do if you want to. Which who prepared in advance for us to do? God, it says. God prepared in advance for us to do. That means when God was dreaming you up before the foundations of the world were laid, he started dreaming up some things that he wanted you to do, including, if you'll let me ride with my example, picking up the trash in the parking lot later. He had some plans. Could have been holding open the door on the way out of here tonight. It was part of his plan. He planned things for you to do. Because there are things that he wants you to learn. And you won't learn them by listening to sermons. You're only going to learn them by obedience. And he has a plan to conform you into the image of his son. This says he prepared in advance for them. Let's look at the next verse. For I know the plans. Does that sound accidental to you? Does it sound general to you? No. He's got a plan, a very specific plan. Do you think that his plan for you is the same as his plan for me? No. One of his plans for me had the name Dora connected to it. Not the plan for you, not in the same way it was for me. He's got a different plan for every one of us, and he thought about it. He made plans. He prepared them in advance. Their plans... For all the Lisas, we should just receive this. Let's just receive this. It took me a while to believe this and receive this. They are plans to prosper you, not to harm you. You're going to be letting go of a lot of things over the course of this class. His intention is not to make you less, it's to make you greater. They are plans to prosper you, not to harm you. They are plans to give you a hope 
and a future. He loves you so much. He has designs for you, and they're good plans to give you a hope and a future. He says, you're going to call to me, and you're going to come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me, and you will find me. That's part of his plan for you. If you have never memorized Jeremiah 29, that might be the one for you. Just, just to take it in your heart and go, I have never really believed this, that all of his plans for me are good. They're to prosper me and not to harm me. You just need to get that one deep. Okay, let's talk about this. Timeline. All right. Let's talk about the, 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 your physical timeline, okay? So here on the far left, on the gray, that's the gray line up there. I want you to write physical birth over that timeline. Your physical birth, that's way over on the far left on the gray line, was part of his plan for you. He knew the day that you would be born. Also part of his plan for you was spiritual birth. When you were born again, he planned that day. He knew when it would happen. And he orchestrated the events around your life so that you would call out to him on that day. It's an incredible thing to consider. He orchestrated events so that you would call out to him. Yes, even the pain that put you in that position. Because he likes pain? No, he likes saving you. Right? And for most of us, that's what was necessary to get us to a point where we call, God, do you save people like me? I sure do. I've been waiting for you to ask me. But you weren't interested until you were in so much pain. Great. I want you to save me. He goes, great. He had planned that. He also knows the day of your physical death. He knows it all. These are on the timeline of your life. It's not a big deal with your physical death. Salvation, I'm saying that it sort of starts with your spiritual birth. It really starts when he starts calling you. That's when your salvation begins. But that top line is salvation. And that process will continue past death, if I'm reading my Bible right. There will be a salvation for us and a resurrection that happens on the other side of death. I'm sure of that. Okay. What's the point? I already said that. All right, here's what I want you to see. We're created to do specific things through Jesus. I told you that. He's got things, he, 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 good things he prepared in advance for us to do. Jeremiah 29 says that he knows all the plans that he has just for you. I want you to understand that the plans that he has for you, whoops, sorry video, the plans that he has for you are not just on um, the physical timeline of your life. Like he actually had plans for you today that he engineered today. They're, they're also bullet points on the spiritual timeline of your salvation. That every time you walk through one of the doorways that he set up for you, you're walking into more of the salvation that he planned for you. So when he says... I know the plans I have for you. That's not just sort of a general, well, I want you to go to vacation in Florida sometime in your mid-30s. 
That's not it. He's like, I want you to pick up the paper tonight in the parking lot because it's part of your salvation learning how to hear my voice. Okay, God has, here's my line. God has specific plans for us and he knows how to get us there. He has things to give us for which we are currently unprepared. You are not currently prepared to receive everything that he wants to give you. You're just not ready for it yet. So you have to do the early work of obedience to establish a foundation. Then he can start building on that. And then he can start building on that. Knowledge puffs up. Love builds. That's what love does. His love, his activity in your life, it builds. He's like, I'd love to put a roof on your life. But you haven't obeyed me on that second floor yet. And I've got plans for a second floor. I really need you to obey me in those things I've told you to do. I know it's going to hurt to give away that money. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, but do it. I really want a roof on this house. And I can't put the roof on until we build that second floor. He has plans for you. And he wants to give you so much more than you even think you're capable of receiving. I just want you to understand for a second. I would love to blow your mind for a second. And just go, the things that he did through Jesus' life on earth, he wants to do greater things than that in your life. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Raising people from the dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yes. Healing people. Yes, 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 yes. Casting demons. Out of, yeah, 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 yeah. Great, great, great. Calming storms. Yeah. Greater things than those things. I'd like to go there. Now, have you guys calmed storms yet? No. I was... Uh, I haven't made it to that part of the class yet. Okay, well, I want you to do greater things, Stephen. But we're not to, we're not to this calming of storms yet. How about the demons part? Have we, have we alive, at least gotten to the demons part? Well, we haven't taught that a lot to my church growing up. And uh, well, uh, come on now, Stephen. I got plans for you. I got great plans. I need you to be obedient and you walk through these things. I've got opportunities around you all the time. Now, come on, let's go. What do you say? Let's go. I want those things for you, and I tell you, you're destined for them. I feel like some of you don't yet believe that. Would you just... I can't make you say it, but I'm going to ask you. Let's just pray for just a second. I want you to, I want you to say this in your heart. God, I believe that you can do anything through me that you dream of doing. I believe that you've gone out of your way to prepare my life and you've made plans for me. I'm going to believe here by faith. I don't care what your brains are saying right now, by the way. I want you to just believe this in your spirit. I believe you when you say, I can do everything that Jesus did. And you're going to walk me into those things. And somehow, because I believe, you're going to do greater things 
in my life. Psalm 81.10 says, open wide your mouth and I will fill it up. So God, right now, best I can, I just open my mouth up and I want you to fill it with your truth. I want to start receiving your promises, not like they're for somebody else or not for the preacher man or some star minister, they're for me. Help me receive that, Lord. I believe you. I believe you. Amen. Okay. Want a promotion? Is my little question there. Would you like a promotion? I know how you can get a promotion. Obey the next thing that he tells you to do. You will get a promotion. If you will pick up trash every time he tells you to pick up trash, he won't stay on trash pickup with you. I promise you that. The eyes of the Lord are ranging to and fro throughout the whole earth right now. He's looking for people whose hearts are completely his that he may strongly support them. He's looking for obedient people. If he sees you picking up trash every single time, you hear the nudge, pick up trash, uh, you'll get a promotion. I promise you, you will. Blessed are those, says Luke eleven twenty eight. blessed are those who hear the word of God and obey it. Now, I got a question up here. How do you know if you're born again? It's connected to what we've been saying. It's not if you had a tear roll down your cheek in a church service. <laughs> We've all been touched emotionally. I've been touched watching Feed the Children ads on TV, but I've never given any money to them. It's very simple. We know that we've come to know him if we obey his commands. It's as simple as that. Can you tell me something that he told you to do and you did it? Oh, well, you must know him. It's as easy as one, two, three, knowing if you're born again. First John, two, three. One, two, three. It's as easy as one, two, three. How do I know if I'm born again? You ever have the devil do that one to you? I don't even think you're, you don't even belong in this room with these people. God, he's a freaking loser. Now, all you have to do is look, look, he's my father. I've obeyed him. I walked out of that relationship because he told me to. I got rid of my TV. I put my fork down when he told me I was done eating that day. I've, I obey him. It's who I am. We know that we've come to know him if we obey his commands. You dig? You see a through line in these, in these bible verses? Obedience. Okay. You're not going to believe this, everybody, but I'm wrapping up. What do you think? Yeah. Why not? Okay. Summary. I wonder what this slide's going to do. Let's see. Oh, we've already gone over these things. Okay. If you learn how to obey, you'll be a disciple. 
My assumption for this class, I know that maybe some of you have thought, I don't know, I'm not sure I belong in this class. This guy's mad up there. I don't know what he's so mad about. I'm not sure I'm in the right place. If you are a receiver and you have said yes to Jesus and you feel like, I would like to grow from here, you're in the right place. You feel like, I want to obey. I think I want to obey him. You're in the right place. Um, this is Matthew 28, end, end, of, end of chapter 28. Jesus says to his guys, Go, because I have all authority in heaven and earth, go and make disciples of all nations. Teach people how to obey. That's what he says. Go make disciples of everybody all over the world. Teach them how to obey. That's not what we do in America. We teach people how to learn and think and read and listen. Jesus said, go make disciples, teach them how to obey. I would like to learn how to obey. God, teach me how to obey your voice. If I can learn how to obey him, we're done. He's going to get me there. If I can just learn how to obey him. What I'm telling you is that Obeying and being a disciple are synonymous. If you are a habitual obeyer, you're a disciple. Jesus said, go make disciples, teach them how to obey. That's a follower. That's what I want for all of you guys. I want everybody in this room to be huios. Maybe not next week. I want you to be on the road to discipleship. I want you to be a follower. I want you to be huios. So that's the overview. Of, that's why the class exists. Because I want you guys to get mature. Skills are the way to get mature. We're going to start walking you through these things. Next week we're going to talk about the enemy. You don't have to be an a, a experienced person in demon stuff. I hope to talk about it in a very understandable and low-flying way so that a Baptist like me could understand it. Um, and we're just gonna we're just gonna really simply just do a little Bible review and see what did Jesus do, what does he say that we can do, what does authority mean? Are we gonna have spinning heads and blood and vomit everywhere? Or it, it, could there be something that is a little natural and normal so that it could be naturally what we call naturally supernatural? And I believe in that stuff. If I could I hope you heard this loud and clear. If I had you walk out of here with one thing tonight. It would be, if you hear the word of God only and don't do anything about it, you're sunk. You'll get into deception. We, and now, now I'm making you work together in this. Sorry, you've been in this for two hours, so you're here. We are going to be people who obey when we hear God's voice. Even if you're not great at that right now, you're going to get good at it. We're going to do that. Are you with me on that? We are going... We are going to respond when we hear his word. We will actually have something called the fear of God in us when we do hear his word. Because you go, I'm on the precipice of something right now. I just heard him speak. And I will either go into deception or I'm going to go into maturity. I got one of two options that I'm going to go into right now. Because I just heard him speak to me. Ooh, I got to obey as soon as possible. How do I obey? I got to make a strategy to obey right now. I'm sending a text to myself. 
got to do it. We are going to develop that skill, which is instant obedience. That's who we're going to be. And I'll say this about us too. We are going to be repenting fools. And we're going to see how much good stuff comes our way. Salvation, refreshment, life, all of God's goodies come our way because of this thing called repentance. I can't wait until you can start playing in that pool. It's going to be great. Thanks for hanging in for two hours. I love talking about this crap. Have you noticed that? I love it. Thank you. See you next week.